Peace, and welcome to the Tailored Healing Collective Podcast. This is a space for, but never limited to, people of color. We're discussing sacred plant medicine, pregnancy, parenthood, and more. You know, there's such a stigma on who can open the floor for conversation on these topics that are viewed as taboo or even inappropriate. This fact alone has made so many become fearful of the very thing that could help us rebuild families, create our own businesses, and most importantly, trust our role in this world as future ancestors. So wherever you are, take a cleansing breath and do your best to listen with an open mind, heart, and spirit, and let love lead the way. I'm your host, Taylor. All right, welcome back to the Tailored Healing Collective podcast. I'm here with yet another special guest from California today. I was going through when I started on my journey, I was trying to find more mothers that I could connect with who either shared a similar story to mine or just someone I could connect with on a personal level. So I found Sunny Jackson. I am going to allow her to introduce herself and speak a little bit about what she does. Hello, everyone. My name is Sunumi. Um, many people call me Sunny for short, so that's fine. Um, I am actually originally from New York. I am what they call a California implant. Um, I don't know how that word makes me feel yet. Still getting used to it, still warming up to it. Um, but I live here now in the Los Angeles area. I have an organization called The Healing Hustlers. We are an educational platform for psilocybin. Um, I created that organization when I was 21. I am now 25, soon to be 26. Very exciting. Um, And basically, that was created um, with the intent of being able to educate more BIPOC on what uh, the healing effects of psilocybin actually has and is capable of. And I started to do incorporations with food infusions and different things like that, that I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, And that is the first organization. It is a family owned business. My partner actually is the head cultivator of the organization. So he grows the mushrooms. I do more of the research and the integration side of things. And um, that was my first ever baby (laughs) before my actual baby. Um, And then later on this year, um, I birthed something brand new, something super, super special to me. It's called Village of Mothers. This organization is a nonprofit organization. And the intention for that was once I had my son, I realized that there was no resources, no, no set in stone resources for black and brown women who are, um, who just had a child. And that was, that was frightening to me because, you know, as a black woman, I, I knew that we were very limited in terms of the resources that society has for us. But after experiencing something so sacred like childbirth, I was like, oh no, we deserve these resources. These resources should be as as easy as it is to, you know, go and get water or things like that. You know, we need to be able to access um, an organization or organizations uh, that will pour into black and brown mothers and black and brown communities because we are the ones who are literally molding and shaping the future in our hands. So that was the birth of Village of Mothers. Beautiful. I I love hearing all of this, you know, for always hearing about how diverse California is. I'm shocked to hear that there is not as much representation or resources available, but 
applause to you for creating that within your space. You know, if we can't find things that we need, it's up to us to create them ourselves for future generations. Yes, I, I truly believe that. So, so many topics for us to touch on. You're such an interesting person. So I wanted to start off and let the audience know how you decided to be a, or call yourself a self-proclaimed Myco Mama and explain to those who don't know what that is. Yes, yes, indeed. So um, originally how I got into even studying psilocybin was um, there was a shaman who lived probably about two hours from me. Um, when I first started to do get into the medicine, I literally had no money. I didn't get paid until Friday. And I, I contacted this person who was like known by my community. And I said to him, I was like, I don't get paid, but I feel called, deeply called to go on a psilocybin trip. And he said, no problem at all. Come pick it up. I will give you all the details of what you need to know. And um, when I went and met him in person, we had the most beautiful interaction. It was very, very what I like to call synchronistic, very um, soul, soul, soul connection, soul deep. And um, he told me, he looked me in my eyes and he said, if you need anything ever, you call me. And I took that very literally. So as I, as I started to journey with the medicine, um, I had my first experience, it went very smoothly, I had my second experience, it was absolutely fantastic. And then my third experience, I um, journeyed with a partner of mine at the time. And my partner was experiencing like a lot of shadows on their trip. And um, it was hard for me to navigate, extremely hard. It was one of the most difficult experiences um, I've ever journeyed on, even to this day, after journeying countless and countless of, of times since then. Um, but I had called him after that. And it was 2.22 a.m. in the morning. I called him on the phone <laughs> and I was like, hey, listen, this is happening to me and I do not know how to navigate it. And he helped me navigate that whole entire situation. And from there, I, I became a student of his. I would call him all the time. He, wouldn't, he would help me navigate other scenarios and I would go and visit him. And we worked together from that point on for years. Even to this day, we work hand in hand. And um I'm very grateful to have had someone, basically an elder of mine, a mentor of mine, um, who was able to guide me and from to plant these seeds in me. And thus I was able to plant so many seeds in others. Now the motherhood part of Michael did not come until years later. Um, the motherhood, the Michael mama part came because um, I had a son and I started to, I, I didn't stop journeying with the medicine. You know, many people asked me like, oh, are you still gonna, you know, journey with the medicine when you have a child? Or are you not scared that it will affect your child in a negative way? And I always answered with so much confidence, no, 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 not at all. I'm not, I have no ounce of fear. What the medicine has done for me, it can only do that and, and more for my child. You know, my child fortunately gets to experience this medicine from birth and at very low dosages, he's receiving it through my breast milk. So my body has already filtered most of the components that, um, you know, tax the body, you know, um, that's really, 
that that was my biggest thing. Like, you know, would the babies be tired while experiencing it? Would it, would it make them uh, laggy or, or anything like that? Not at all. He is, he is a ball of energy. He is a burst of light. He is literally just the most intelligent and joyful and inquisitive child that that I've ever met. And along with many other micro babies that I've come across, um, they are very, very in tune and very curious and very um, and observant, like very observe, observing of their surroundings. Um, surroundings. And all in all, yeah, I would, I would not say that, uh, that it, it harms the babies in any way. Um, and I'm continuing to put more resources into the Healing Hustlers so that we can continue to educate people on the positive effects and also do more research on our own outside of the medical systems that we know um, so that we can feel most comfortable with giving it to our babies. So I didn't plan any of this in the scripting because I wanted to let you say what um, what was on your heart. But, you know, when I first released my video uh, after journeying during pregnancy, I felt called to do it. Something during my journey told me to do it. And upon doing that, I received a lot of criticism um, and you hear about that in one of my first episodes, but to hear you speak about all this, not only with such confidence, but I relate in such a way that only we probably can understand. Um, yeah. it, it brings so much joy to my heart. And this is exactly why this podcast is what it is or, you know, what I hope for it to become, especially what you were saying about your son and how inquisitive he is. I don't know what thing people think happens with the babies, but I mean, I almost wish that I had consumed with my son. It was only with my daughter, but it had to happen in divine timing this way. But that confidence to be able to say that without a medical doctor telling you, you know, don't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And for you to be witness to that to your child is absolutely beautiful. And I hope that, you know, more people come to you in this area of being a micro mama to see what the medicine can do for you. Um, and know that anything that we're doing for ourselves is to better for, be better for our children, not just for ourselves or not just to have a good time. So thank you. (laughs) I love that you said that not just for ourselves, you know, not just to have a good time. This is really not recreational. And I want people to know that like, Mushrooms is not really a fun thing. You know what I'm saying? It can be very fun. It can have its moments, but really it's um, it's something so much more, it's deeper than fun. It has to do with like a divine connection. You know what I'm saying? And so I wouldn't necessarily consider a divine connection fun. Like if you were to find the love of your life, right? And you had a divine connection with this person, would you consider your relationship with them fun? You know what I'm saying? No. You would consider your relationship you consider the relationship with them sacred. You know what I'm saying? So that's what this is. This is a very sacred thing. And, um, and thank you for, for highlighting that. Of course. Yes. And I I agree with that as well. Um, it, It should be treated as sacred medicine, but also with the fun part, I don't really see it as fun when you're constantly going through these death and rebirth processes with yourself that's not fun. It's not like I'm just having a good time. 
<laughs> it's no, very no, hard no. to face your shadow and in facing your shadow, that's how you become a better parent and better in tune with yourself. You know, you're not turning away. It's so feminine because it allows you to tap in with your emotions, which is not easy at all. It's not a fun ride, even though as um, identifying women who, you know, we go through emotions. That doesn't mean we like to cry all the time or we like to talk about our feelings. So I, I resonate with that for sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us about your food background? I know we spoke a little mm-hmm. bit about the beginning, but I want to kind of get into the food portion as well. Yes. So the food, I always say like, I adore all things that Source adores the most. Source adores the things that we have to do, not the things that we want to do. So the things that we have to do to survive, like eating, you know, sleeping. I enjoy those things because clearly they're they're um, pivotal to the human experience. And so I always took food very serious. Um, when I was 19 years old, I decided to go plant-based and um, which is a whole nother rabbit hole that I really don't want to go down because there's like so many stigmas and whatever, whatever. But primarily what I will say is that the decision helped me most with my discipline. And the reason why this is most important is because it trickled into so many different areas in my life. It made me more disciplined to my medicine work. It made me more disciplined to my spirit. It made me more disciplined to my wants and desires and the things that I actually wanted to bring into fruition. And so I was really grateful for taking that journey to be um, plant-based during that time. And um, what what I started to do was wanting to integrate both sides of my life. So I wanted to integrate the plant-based side that I was exploring and creating all these new amazing recipes with the psilocybin side. And nobody was really doing it. Um, And I, I was really only hearing about the standard ways of consuming psilocybin, which is just like, you know, in the form of tea, some people were getting a little bit more creative and making chocolates. Um, I was making herbal tea blends for a really long time prior to doing the food infusion. So that basically consisted of, um, an intuitive blend that would help you to access certain parts of your chakra points. So whether it be, you know, for the root, for the heart chakra, for the crown. Um, And then probably about last year is when I started to take it really serious. I was like, you know, um, I, I learned about the lemon teching process. And I was like, this is the perfect base because you can add lemon to so many things and it just be absolutely delicious. I was like, all right, this is the perfect base to infuse all of these foods with um, psilocybin. And so the lemon teching process is basically the um, primary way that I infuse my foods. And I do dishes all the way from oyster mushrooms to fried plant-based fish to quote unquote fish, right? Yeah. And, um, Really, it's like banana blossom for anybody who wants the technical thing. Um, And I can put it in lasagna. I mean, I can put it in anything. It's absolutely awesome. And I'm doing it at primarily low dosages, especially when I'm doing it for like a group or something like that. I'm doing it at super low dosages. So you're probably getting like, you know, 0.2, 0.3 per portion. Um, And people love it. It's awesome. It's it's medicine. It's working in the background. It's just as if you were to infuse your foods with adaptogenic mushrooms. You're not experiencing any of the psilo, um, 
any of the psychoactive effects is really just primarily you being able to eat really good food and then have this medicine working in the background. I can't imagine. And even incorporating in foods because working with mushrooms, like I stated before, such an emotional experience, you get to fully immerse yourself in the food rather than just eating to consume. Yes. Yes. That's a huge thing too. Um, One thing I know that I haven't experimented with yet is um, infusing at the high dosages. The reason is, is because the consuming process is very sensitive. Like I typically fast when I'm doing high dosages um, and then I'll eat on the come down. Um, And the reason for that is, is because you don't want your body to have to use so much energy breaking down food and then have to supply you energy for you to take your trip. Um, We want to be really mindful of that because there's people who will spend so much of their energy breaking down the food that they won't really have much energy left for the trip experience. And that can either cause the trip to go in a negative way because you really can't be mentally present for it, um, or it'll cause the trip to just either put you to sleep or have no effects at all, you know, and you won't really get to experience all there is to, um, to really be unlocked there. So I really, really recommend light foods, meaning salads, um, you know, fruit or something like that. And if you're doing the infusions, keep it at the low dosages for now. Um, We'll do more research about what foods are really perfect for it, but probably it's going to be infusing more of the raw foods if we're going to do the high dosages trips. Awesome. I know people will be very interested to hear things that they can do themselves with food if they can't get access to it yet. So that that's really amazing. I love the process Mm -hmm. and making it more energy-based again, rather than just eating to consume. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cons- consumption is such a big deal to me. Like uh, that's another rabbit hole that I can spend hours it talking is. about. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> uh, so uh, I am curious, can you tell us a little bit more about your work with Village of Mothers? Because I know that's one of our main topics. We both like to speak about a motherhood on social media. So tell us a little bit about Village of Mothers. Um, anybody you'd like to share that does it with you, how it came about, what you receive from it? Mm-hmm. So I work with uh, three other amazing women. Um, the founder of the organization, her name is Dea Soul. You can look her up on Instagram. We have Imari Gabrielle, who is our communications manager, and she's also our nutritionist. And then we have a beautiful, amazing body guru who helps with body confidence and the integration stages um, in the postpartum periods after having a child. And her name is Andronita. Um, You can find all these women on the page, on the Village of Mothers page. We also have a website at villageofmothersla.com that you can go and that'll show you all of our details and all of our offerings, all of our workshops, et cetera. Um, But this organization is is just so special to me. Um, After having my son, probably, I want to say it was about three weeks after I uh, went to get my doula certification. I was not playing. I was not playing. I was like, listen, there's a lack and there's people who need to answer. I'm one of those people. And I brought my newborn son with me to the classes. (laughs) He's sitting in the 
here like I'm like you need this knowledge too baby <laughs> you don't know it yet but you need it mm-hmm. um but village of mothers really came from a mutual passion all four of us are very good friends um we showed up for each other in our pregnancies all of us have children under two some of us have two children under two 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 of us have two children under two and then me and Amari have one, um, but we all poured into each other. We all showed up for each other during our pregnancies and we did it so well that we were like, we can do this for others and we can show other women how to do this for their close friends and et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me, it is, it's so important for women to know that there's something that happens during pregnancy in a lot of relationships in, in the BIPOC community. I'm not sure about others, but I can just speak for us right now when I say shit gets really hard between you and your partner. And there's not a lot of healthy relationships in the BIPOC community for us to turn to with our elders. You know what I'm saying? Not many of us have have like these elders who are like in 25, 40 year, you know, marriages that like we're actually happy. Um, And not saying you should be all the time, saying that, you know, there's ways to, and we're here to evolve. So we're interested in exploring those. And so um, that's really why I wanted to birth Village of Mothers. I wanted to create more, more knowledge, more space, more background information on what it looks like to sustain and maintain healthy relationships and how to do that. One of the ways that I found was less of, less of the trying to change or shift the the man and the masculine you know side of the relationship more pouring into your sisters more pouring into your relationships with your your close friends who are women during that time because the way that they can nurture you is different than a man can nurture you the way that they will hold you the way that they can hug you the way that they can support you during your birthing period is different than how your partner will show up for you because your partner sees the world in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes when we put these expectations on our partner, it's literally only placed there because we thought we should. It's just a simple perception switch. You know what I'm saying? It's just the idea that because we thought they were supposed to support us like that, we're giving them basically um, an unnecessary or a, uh, I'll just stick with that, an unnecessary expectation. Your sisters can support you like that. They have the time and they have the energy too. And they, ha- they have the perception too because they know the nurturing that you're looking for. Um, so what I really wanted to do was, and this organization is just getting started, but I can tell you where it's going because I'm going to make sure that it gets there. Um, it is going in the direction of building such strong, such beautiful relationships with other women in the community so that we can all lean on each other during our birthing periods, during our postpartum, during the raising of our children, during the creating the creation of um, you know curriculums and just other things like that and really just giving the matriarch and um, more of a community, more of a firm foundation for, them to thrive. I love that. And as someone who just recently had a baby still going through the postpartum period, the relationship with the partner, I've, those are some things I've come to terms with recently that the expectations that I've put on him, it's not necessary. It's not a bad thing that he can't 
show up for me in that way. That's not his role. And, (laughs) and then, you know, in turn, I'm trying to take on everything else and forgetting about myself in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be creating a circle for women, um, for mothers going through this and having that understanding of balance between the masculine and the feminine, and then being also able to turn to your sisters as well. It's so needed right now. I mean, we see what's going on in America. We see how women in general um, are feeling and, it's like a lack of balance at the same time. You know, we're trying to take on all these roles rather than spread them around within the people who do need to do them. You know, we we have our roles for a reason and not gender role speaking, but, you know, we have our feelings in the way that, like you said, we care for each other and we take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Men do it in a different way. That's, that's it, point blank period. <laughs> Definitely not gender roles, not gender roles. This is not gender roles. I'm going to say that right now. And the only way you would know that is if you had a child. If you didn't have a child, then you will not even know what I'm talking about. And the reason I know that is because I was a human being who didn't have a child and I was a human being who did. So I'm the only one who can see both sides and all the other mothers are the only ones who can see both sides. And until you go through childbirth, you don't you don't really understand that there is there is something outside of these gender roles, there's something more, there's something really, really primal, you know what I'm saying, happening, and it happens to us all. And with that being said, you know, I really want us as women to take the mirror and just to put it right here and take full accountability for this one. It's nothing wrong. We were ignorant at the time, but this is, this time is now done. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's over now. We have to take responsibility for these next steps. And these, I'm not saying this with a light heart. I'm saying this with a heavy one. I'm saying this with like the utmost seriousness. This, what needs to happen next in regards to women supporting other women is so pivotal that it will, it will literally, (laughs) she's so gorgeous. Um, It will literally shape your whole entire future your whole entire future. Get a tribe of women that you trust, that you love, that you care for, and pour into them and tell them to pour into you. And if they don't know how, teach them. Some of us are coming with wounds. Some of some of the some of us are coming with the mother wound, the sister wound, you know? It's our job to heal each other and to spend that time. Like while your partner is off doing what your partner does, working, whatever it may be, that's your time to Call up your sisters and be like, hey, let's get together. Let's do some womb work. Let's do some yoni steaming. Let's, you know, let's let's un, un, undo these layers together. You know, we don't have to sit in the, in the house alone and just take care of the babies and clean and cook dinner. We need to be doing ceremony. <laughs> when, women, when women link up, when, when we get together and just have conversation, that's church right then and there. That is ceremony because we have a we have a beautiful ability to heal just through our words, you know. So let's take it to the next level. Not only heal through our words, but let's put these foundations in place so that we can heal through our actions. We can heal our babies. You know, we can um, evolution evolutionize our societies. You know, is means. Village of Mothers online or is it only in California? <laughs> <laughs> It is, um, it is right now uh, a physical thing, but we are working so hard. I actually have a, um, a segment inside of 
Village of Mothers called Architects of the Future. Um, this is my own workshop. So all of, all of the facilitators that I listed, um, we all have different workshops that we offer inside of the program. My, my particular workshop is called Architects of the Future. And basically what that does is that um, I work with women in the community to provide, and we work together on building um, a curriculum for children. This, doesn't, this is not gonna be your standard curriculum. This is not gonna be like anything you see in a school. This is gonna be like something you see in a village. This is gonna be like learning through travel, learning through interaction with nature, letting really, really taking out any of the middlemen, really taking out the teachers and really allowing more exploration for the children. So that's gonna look like a myriad of different ways depending on what suggestions other mothers bring. Um, but that will be something that is available online, that curriculum. And I'll be sure to link in the show notes, uh, the tag to the page and the website and ways that they can find you. Because again, this is something that is so needed right now and that understanding. So thank you for being one of the pillars to provide that for not only your community, but communities you haven't even been introduced yet. Mm-hmm. Ashley, thank you. Of course. So through all of these healing modalities you seem to have encountered throughout your life, since you were already working with psilocybin during, before, and even after, how has it affected your own motherhood journey coming into this new role in your life? That is a really good question. Um, Psilocybin literally is a is something that works in the background. It is it is literally affecting every decision I make in my whole entire life at this point. Um, I have completely immersed myself in being fully led by spirit, being fully led by um, by my truth, and those were originally things that needed to be set in stone with the use of the medicine. Um, in motherhood, particularly, I'll say that. In the postpartum segment is when I noticed it the most um, because I noticed that I was I was experiencing some major hormonal um, fluxes and I wasn't really sure how to tackle that. You know, especially when you're in a hormonal um, change, you're like you. It, it looks like you have all these. You have all the puzzle pieces. You're just not really sure how to organize them correctly. You're like I could, but I could see the board, and that's what's so confusing about hormones is because things don't, things only feel slightly off. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like you can still show up. You know what I'm saying? You can still show up. You can still get things done, but things feel slightly off. Um, and I decided I was like, you know what? No more of this. No, I gotta, I gotta do something. And I was like, mushrooms, of course. Like, why would I, why would I not turn to those first? Um, that's just the ego though, you know, everything in divine timing. Um, so uh, I decided it was two months after having my son, I decided to go on a microdosing journey. I microdosed for four weeks, um, typically about every two days. I really listen to spirit. Sometimes it'll be one day, sometimes it'll be two days. There is no gatekeepers to this microdosing process. This is not something that you're gonna call up your doctor and be like, hey doctor, how do I do this? This is between you and those mushrooms. So it's whatever you need to do. Don't let anybody don't let anybody gatekeep this because this is so new. You know what I'm saying? Like allow yourself to be at the forefront 
of this medicine work if you are deciding to do it. Gather up your courage, get your courage blanket on, you know what I'm saying? And walk this walk because you were born at the time when things were at basically the beginning of this movement, meaning that you were the one who was ready. That's what they said. That's why you're here. You know what I'm saying? You were the one who was ready to walk this walk at this particular time. So you have to honor that and don't allow someone else to tell you something they don't even know about. We have people who aren't even journeying with the medicine trying to give suggestions. Yes. You don't know. You have no clue. You are the farthest from knowing. And anybody who works with the medicine um, actively knows that. So allow yourself to, you know, take some deep breaths, do the mantras that you need to do, do whatever you need to do to alleviate yourself of the fear. But this process is between you and nature now. It's not between you and anybody else. And so, yeah, <laughs> I, I say all that to say I journeyed um, at point one, between point one and point two, very, very low dosages um, for four weeks. And I was, I was on top of my game after that. I just felt great. I felt great. I felt empowered. I felt liberated. I started traveling with my son right after that. Um, and I didn't need to microdose again for another two months. So it was, it lasted a very long time. I think if people really understood how mushrooms work, they would know that it is making us more intelligent. So I, my light bulb immediately went off when you said you think about every decision that you make. I'm already a pretty careful person. I think as mothers, we overthink every decision we make anyway, but we're more in tune. We're tapped into intuition. We're not sitting there like, did I do the right thing? Are they okay? Like, and I remember being asked or being judged at that um, during my pregnancy, like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, do I, am I acting crazy? Do I look like I'm off? Like I'm, I'm more in tune. I promise you there is nothing wrong here. I would feel it in my body if something was wrong. And I would, you would see it. Like, we're not like, we'd be sleeping on each other as humans. I'm like, when somebody is off, you know it, right? Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's like, end of discussion. Let's move on. Next. <laughs> uh, so I actually also saw that you spoke recently at the Oakland Psychedelic Conference, which from what I'm hearing is one of the first that they've had ever there. So what was that like for you? So this one particular, they do have one in Oakland. Um, that was the first one. Then they had the second one here in LA, which was the one that I spoke at. Um, it was an absolutely incredible experience, one that gratefully um, expanded my network. So it was just cool to um, baby farts. <laughs> everything is just too cute with the baby. <laughs> um, but I, uh, it was it was so interesting, you know, to be surrounded by people who believe in this. Um, you know, oftentimes I'm the one that people turn to for that strength that courage to believe in this and when I looked around me I didn't have to convince anyone we all believed in this mm. and when I say that it's it gives me chills right now like, me too <laughs> I'm like wow that was really powerful you know um being able to speak to to mothers to to alleviate them of, of their fears is always an honor um and all in all, you know, 
there were there were some really cool experiences too like outside from just the basics of like we got to spread our knowledge we got to be together awesome 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 we got to make connections that will last lifetimes i'm sure awesome but the even cooler part was afterwards during the after party i was in a bar mind you i haven't really bars aren't my thing um no hate against them it's whatever but what I realized is that I'm in a bar full of psilocybin heads. This is crazy. Full of psychonauts, like at a bar. And it was just so interesting. I, I, I wondered like, how, how would we be? How would we react? And um, when I say it was one of my coolest bar experiences ever, it literally was yeah. so, it was so, it was so unique. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was so nice to be able to just feel like so safe. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, you know, I can trust these beings. Um, I feel free with these beings. And we had a segment which was called Psychedelic Stories where, you know, my partner got up, he shared one of his stories. He's very funny. Everybody loves to listen to him speak. He makes people laugh. So he was he was one of the highlights. And then we had musical performances come um, like D-Rock and um, Lizzie Jeff. And they're very intentional with the music that they make. So um when I say like this, the experience all, all in all was like an 11 out of 10. I mean, it was just, that was just one of those really cool life experiences that I would just never forget. Beautiful. And I, I look forward to seeing more, hopefully coming to be a part of something like that in the future. Uh, it, it's not only needed, but the way that I see things expanding with mushrooms being talked about all over this country right now, as if it's something brand new, Mm-hmm. I see more conferences like this happening, but the fact that you could be a part and essentially, I mean, years down the line, you're going to be looked at as a pioneer through all of this. So to see women, much less BIPOC women doing it out here, it, it warms my heart every single time. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mama. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what was life for you uh, like prior to experiencing psychedelics? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, and I need to stop saying that because really they're all great questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but prior to, I, as a, even as a child, I had like really unique experiences. Um, my mom used to say, you know, I wouldn't stop talking about God. I was like always talking about, well, where does God come from? And well, who made God then? You know what I'm saying? Like I I wanted to push her consciousness further than she wanted to push her consciousness. And she was like, can you stop asking me these God questions? I don't have answers for you. And I can't talk about this anymore. So after a while, I stopped asking her the questions. Um, my father was incarcerated from the time that I was three to the time I was in eighth grade, 13. So I didn't have a masculine um, presence there to really pour into me in the ways that I would want, would have wanted to. Um, my father was a genius, okay? He is a genius, I should say. He's one of my favorite people on the planet, along with my mom too. I'm so grateful. My mom gave me the freedom to be a free thinker. So she was like, I can't answer your questions, but you can think whatever you want. And I won't make you go to church. <laughs> she was like, think whatever you want, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'll be here to support you. You know, that's basically what she would say to me. And that was what I needed. That's, I needed that space. You know what I'm saying? I needed to be my own explorer here in this lifetime. And that's why I chose them as my parents. 
Now, my father came with a lot of spiritual knowledge and information, and it wasn't so much religious. He has a lot of religious information, too, because his parents were Jehovah Witnesses, um, and he got a chance to do a lot of study, you know, but he broke away from um, being Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Witness himself as a child to becoming a free thinker, a radical, very spiritual, and um when he was, I believe when he was 19 is when he got, when he was incarcerated, my mom had me at 15. So they were like very young couple. Um, and he, I would go and visit him and he would like pour into me the spiritual knowledge. I would ask him things. I'd be like, dad, you know, I'm getting sleep paralysis. Like, what is this? And he'd be like, oh, okay. Well, basically what's happening is your soul is trying to, you know, basically leave your body and go explore the etheric realms and you have the ability to do that if you want to and so he would I was like eight years old and he's giving me books like Astral Traveler and um you know just having me read like these these books that will help me to learn that there's more and not feel crazy you know what I'm saying my mom was like I don't really know if you're crazy but I'm here and my dad was like you're not crazy here's what you need here's your tool he gave me the tool belt you know and um, when I was in eighth grade and he came home, it was like awesome. I was like, this, this is what I've been waiting for. And from that moment, he really, he just spent hours and hours and hours just pouring into me, pouring into me information, knowledge, answering my questions, guiding me, but also giving me space to, because he wasn't there for the whole entire journey, um, I had that, that naturally that space to, to come up with my own perceptions and come up with my own questions. And then he really just helped me refine my knowledge, you know? And um, I'm just, I'm grateful to have that support. When I turned 19, I went through what some people call like the dark night of the soul, um, that depression and that um, just feeling like I really need to unlock something much deeper, even, even deeper than what my dad was giving me. And, and um, that's when I went to my first spiritual awakening. And it was an oh. awesome, hard experience. <laughs> um, and so that was basically life beforehand. Um, I grew up in a really small town, Binghamton, New York, which was upstate New York, like drive 20 minutes and you can smell manure and farm and all that stuff. Uh, super small population. Um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. It was difficult because I wanted to be I was always interested in being like very radical at the leading edge of like, you know, whatever was going on. And I always felt like the town just moved so slow. The Twilight Zone was actually created in my hometown. So really? By Rod, Rod Serling. My school was um, uh, Binghamton High School. Uh, I think it was uh, like School of Fine Arts. And Rod Serling was like the, uh, his, his department was like the Fine Arts Department dedicated in his honor so you can you can say that stuff was pretty eerie there it was very unique like you know I would just say it was like a time warp you know while the rest of the world kind of moved a lot faster this this small town was just kind of like creating and, and revolving around its same old patterns and you know a lot of what we see in 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 other people's like personal experiences um that it was happening collectively amongst the town. And um, I learned a lot from it. Like I learned a lot from where I came from and, and everything, 
the mushrooms helped me unpack everything as a realization that it was all necessary. It was all important. It was all perfect. You know, it was all as it should be. And so that was life beforehand. <laughs> you know, I have um, a strong belief that you'll probably hear very often within the spiritual community, which is that souls recognize each other. And in hearing your story and everything you have to say, I mean, I've been agreeing the entire time in my head, but <laughs> I have felt as someone who utilized mushrooms for healing, who still does, um, I always have felt so lonely in it, but still so connected. And in hearing your story and knowing that there's no one in my immediate community who knows these stories and how you can be greatly affected by the people in your life. And even to hear your relationship with your father at a very early age, I'm like, I want to be that parent that gives my kids books on astral travel. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a, I, I used to tell him like, you're a light worker, dad. Do you know that you're a light worker? Like I used to be so hyped about it. Um, didn't really know what that was because where he came from he's just like he was he was because he was in prison he, he he was able to like open his mind and break open his mind and he um he just read books like the whole entire like what was it like nine ten years he was in there so it was really 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 cool and when he came out he ended up getting his bachelor's bachelor's degree in um solar and renewable energy and design and now he moved his whole family to Atlanta and mm-hmm. he's got the big house and you know he's really like living out his dreams um but he he did it for me I was like you're the coolest parent like you're one of the coolest parents ever and you inspire me to evolve what you did so if you were like super cool like who, who am I you know and your ability to play with those energies like when you're saying how drastically your father's life changed you know being tapped and in tune with the divine and with source it allows you to imagine up and create any world that you want and I know that's a hard concept for a lot of people to break down but it, it is so possible and through, you know, his transformation created your own, as you said, you know, you, you had to go through these things, but look at you now, look at the wisdom that you have, look at what you're pouring into your family and to other women. So again, hats off to you because we need this kind of representation so that people, especially BIPOC people who have never experienced mushrooms or just any kind of um, conscious awareness, they can see that we're not crazy. We're not trying to hurt you. We're not trying to make you do what the white people do. Like it's not about any of that. We want to make it look normal because it is normal. It is normal to be in tune with yourself. We're just very far removed from it, unfortunately. And we're, we're at, and I think we're actually not that far. Like what I realized, especially with black people, I can't tell, I can't talk about anything else because we literally have a different chemical disposition. So I'm going to say that right now. Like people be like, well, why are you singling yourself out? I'm telling you something right now. Look me deep in my eyes if you want to get close to the camera, not you, but anyone. Up Listen, you have a, if you're black, you have a different chemical disposition. Stop comparing yourself. You're different. So now we can move on. <laughs> Melanin changes things, okay? It changes things. And there's sometimes it's only small perception switches that we need to make. You know what I'm saying? Like when I look at my mom, like she's super fearful of bugs. And I'm like, mom, it's a simple 
that you need to make or or a simple shift in experience that you need to have and when I did mushrooms with her one of the craziest things happened to her and this is so unique because I don't typically hear stories like this but it was necessary she said that there was an entity on her arm and it was like a slug and it was like like crawling up her she was like but I wasn't scared she was like, it was just, it was just there. And I, and I understood it. And I forget the rest of the story, but I say all that to say that this woman is so deadly, like afraid of bugs and stuff. Like she's the one that like will tear down the whole house trying to like get this bug away from her. So the fact that she was on the mushrooms and had no fear against this major large slug that she was seeing is a, is what I'm saying. It's like, you can you can um, experience something, and I like to call it etherically because it's not something that you're necessarily experiencing here in the physical realm, but it's something that you are still experiencing because anything that even dreams the brain perceives as real. So as long as the brain perceives it as real, then it's real to you. It's real to your human experience. There's no nothing differentiating that. So she had a real experience with a real creature and had no fear towards it. And I think that that helped her. I think that that assisted her. And I know that the medicine work will do that to you. It'll bring your fears to the forefront, you know, and it'll give you a chance. It'll give you a chance to react and to see things differently. Because the thing is, it doesn't only bring your fears, it brings a different way of, of viewing them as well. So it's like, hey, you, you normally see it like this, but you can see it like this. You see it? You see it? <laughs> yeah, it's that understanding of vibrational frequency. So all things exist within the same realm, but you know, there can be fear at the bottom. And then as we know, the heart is the center of everything. And I believe at least in my own experiences that I've had, I've been able to recognize that fear, but treat it with love instead mm. of going down and bringing myself back down to, you know, that area I look at these things and say, wow, I was scared of you, but I love you just as you are. You're what you're supposed to be right now. And that's the beautiful experience with it. So one of the final questions I think I had for you is how do you believe that not only representation, but harm reduction can be spread throughout this growing, I don't even like to refer to it as an industry because it makes it so capitalistic, I guess, when this is much more than that, it's an human experience yeah yes 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 how how do you think that harm reduction can be taught throughout all of this and how representation and these are two separate questions I guess but maybe it can be tied into one how representation can affect the future of where all of this is going yeah um hmm. I'll start with the first one and say uh as far as harm reduction the best way we can do that is those who are already invested in this medicine work, let's team up. Let's continue to have explored, exploration conversations, explorative conversations, right? And what I'm personally doing is, like I said, I pinpoint what there's a lack of. I pinpoint that there's a lack of integration. You know what I'm saying? Uh, integration facilities or integration tools are, we have the tools, but we really don't have a lot of people working in the integration spaces 
so that when you're experiencing something super heavy in that um, in the mushroom world, there's not the support necessary to help you to get back into the groove of things in your own life. So I understand that. So I do more work with integration services. As a medicine worker, what I need us to do is to think about what we don't have. You know what I'm saying? And then start to create it and start to provide it and start to show for it. There's a woman that I'm working with. Her name is Mama De La Maiko. A lot of you know her. Yes. She is the one who brought me in on an integration session. And <laughs> she's the one that brought me in on an integration session. And um, she basically, you know, she allowed us to just talk to uh, the community that she sat with in a mushroom trip. And um, it was really beautiful. I really enjoyed that. And she's a medicine worker and she's honoring that. She's honoring the lack of integration. She sat with her clients for four weeks after they did their initial mushroom trip, you know, every Friday to make sure that they were integrating properly. That is so necessary. That is necessary. You know, if we're going to, if we're going to be showing up for our community with um, these medicine resources and whatever else, we need to be showing up for the integration. We need to be showing up for the mental health portion of things as well. Um, but as far as, as far as the overall, I'll say more education, more support, more of your time you know, offering more of your time. And then the second part of the question, um, what was the second part? You were saying- Oh, representation, yeah. Right, representation. So this is interesting. The mushrooms will really take care of that, I feel. Like if if you start to do work with the mushrooms, you're gonna know what to do next. But if if, if you haven't, I can see how um, you'll be curious, but what I will say is just when I look around and I look at my family and I look at the people around me, I don't have to worry about representation. I just worry about what's around me. You know what I'm saying? Like the people who need the help are black and brown. You know what I'm saying? Because these are the people that are surrounded by me. These are the people that are in my community because these are my village. This is my family. And I'm honoring the fact that they need the immediate help and I'm here to help them first. You know, I'm going to just like, you cannot pour into other things unless you've poured into yourself first. I'm not gonna pour into other villages until I pour into my own village first. You know what I'm saying? So let's have more of a presence mindset. Let's scale things down. We don't have to, we don't have to do things so politically. You don't have to, you know, show up for representation, just show up for yourself show up for your community and all of the rest will be taken care of beautifully said um that's something that I have noticed myself also working with it I think it it tears down so many walls where I can only focus like I said what's within my immediate area and you touched on that with every point and I think that's an important part while this podcast is known to be or what I've created to be as a space for that representation it's not because I'm exclusively trying to leave anybody out. That's my immediate circle right now. Now I'm sure in the future that will grow and that will expand. But as of right now, this is within the experiences that I notice. And while I'm here on earth, you know, even though this is just flesh, I'm in the body of a black woman right now. 
I still am here to serve that purpose for a reason. I was put in this specific body for a reason. So I have to work with us. And the thing is, mushrooms doesn't deny that. That's what I love. It's like, you know, it enhances our intelligence. It breaks down all of these societal and cultural like stigmas. Right. But one thing it does is it will tell you, like, you know, your color does not matter. You know, your color, your color in theory, really, it doesn't play a huge, huge role because in comparison to your soul, your God self, but you have a human self that you also need to honor. So it allows you to understand the both dualistic natures of yourself, the God in you and the human in you. And the God in you has a whole nother journey that is parallel working side by side with the human in you right now in every moment. And it's your job to dance between both of those. But one thing I will say is the human in you knows that the color is what allows you to differentiate what needs to be done and where it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so, and so that's how I look at it. Like right now, I know that my mom is, is a brown and I can see my child came out brown and all of these things. And it's because there's a link in our DNA and they chose to, you know, do this specific path with me and all those things matter. And so to just to try and like disappear the whole color thing is just, it's unnecessary. You know, we can honor our color and we can show up for ourselves and we can take accountability for, um, for choosing that. You know what I'm saying? Choosing this body, like you said, and choosing this path and, and walking this path with, with grace. Well, thank you so much for not only your wisdom and kind words, of course, but for truly educating, you know, the listeners right now and everything that they can offer to, I guess, the communities that they may serve in the future. So I want everyone to know how they can connect with you in the future, um, how they can hear more from you and be involved in any of your projects. Yes. So if you follow me at first, F-I-R-S-T, Jen, G-E-N, Healer, um, on Instagram, you will see in my bio links to everything that I'm involved in, um, from food to uh, the Healing Hustlers to, um, uh, what am I missing, what am I missing, Village of Mothers, Um, and then you can also go to Village of Mothers website if you want to actually link with me in person, um, because that's more of the events that I'm doing right now pouring into and um, our website will show all of our workshops so that's how you can stay in touch with me you can also email me which my email is listed on Fresh Gen Healer Um, and I look forward to connecting with you all and I give thanks and gratitude for uh, being in such sacred spaces like this. I don't think an hour would even do you justice for people who need to hear you speak. So I hope in the future to bring you on again, because again, it's needed and not just the mother wisdom, but the wisdom that is tapped into uh, when we ascend to these new ideas and these new ways of being. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Again, this is the Taylor Healing Collective podcast, and we will speak again soon. Don't forget to let love lead the way. Peace.
of creation is so delicate, it brought you here in this moment to realize who you are. You are an alchemist. Leave behind what no longer serves you. Remember, your physical body is only a system of transportation for the soul. Allow yourself to feel and forgive the past to move forward into the future. Connect with the self that wants to take chances to explore and be. Allow this version of you to become rooted in its new environment and surroundings to grow. Become a vibrational match to your desires. Take the hand of your old self and lead them into a new future. Feel yourself at peace, in flow, in tune, and at one with all that there is and all that there will be. The rhythm of the universe. It takes form inside of your soul. It is a vibration so powerful and intricate 